All right. Good morning, Tesh Aka Permapixie. How are you this morning? I am very good. The sun is shining and I'm feeling quite optimistic. That is amazing. So, um, yeah, you're like a bit of a nature fairy. Um, I had a look at your homepage as well, and uh, I really love it. So I would just like if you could introduce yourself and uh, tell me a bit about um, what your passion is and what you're actually doing. Mm, no worries. So, um, yeah, my name's Tash Sakuna. Um, a lot of people know me as the Perma Pixie, um, which is quite funny. I think that I'm going to be known as the Perma Pixie until I'm I'm old. I'll be an old old woman pixie. Um, and I am I'm basically passionate about botanical education. Um, I'm and and not only botanical education, but everything that that entails. Because first of all, the land of the botanical really captured me. It really captivated like all of my senses. And I think that it stemmed from being a young girl and um, always feeling calm in green places. And not really knowing that though, I didn't know that I've like deciphered all of this now later in my life, but I, I always felt a lot calmer in green spaces and a lot more wonder. And, you know, I just, I loved looking at, at leaves on the ground and kind of just being mesmerized by plants. I've always been mesmerized by plants. And so as I kind of progressed with life, I started um, finding books about herbalism and being, um, Uh, just being mesmerized by the world of herbalism a lot of the time. And so then I kind of progressed and I, uh, when I finished school, high school, I started to learn naturopathy, but I got dismayed quite quickly because we never got to touch plants. It was all brown bottles and it was all, um, you know, it was all very theoretical And I love theory and I love science. And since then, I've, I've got a phytochemistry um, certificate now. But back then, yeah, I just realized that the herbalist that I really wanted to be was one that really touched plants and had a relationship with plants. And I felt it really strange that how are you supposed to prescribe something to someone when you'd never even seen it grow? So then I started to learn permaculture and I had a massive journey with, with going and learning about permaculture. And then I started teaching. And so my main thing is teaching. And that's why I say it's about botanical education, because I love teaching people. Um, I'm the kind of person that, yeah, I, I said to my foraging class very recently that I'm the kind of person that thinks that a sunset is better shared. You know, so you can turn around to someone and you can say, wow, can you see that too? And for me, education is sharing my sunset. It's me being able to learn something and then turn around and go, oh, can you see this too? And when I get people going like, oh, wow, that's amazing, or they get really excited by it, then I feel like I have a sense of belonging in the world because I feel like I'm not alone with all of these things that I find completely fascinating. <laughs> so that's why I love sharing it with people. And I guess it has a little bit of another side to it because although it's botanical education, I'm actually really passionate about ecology and the ecological webs that um, are kind of being compromised uh, by the hands of kind of greed and capitalism and, and, and progress, um, progress. And so 
for me, botanical education isn't just reserved to the vegetative realm. It's also about all of the creatures that rely on those plants for eating, for mating, for, you know, like um, for, for medicine, you know, and I like to put a bit of an ecological focus on my work, even though I'm not an ecologist and, you know, I'm not a conservationist either. That's another lifetime of work. But, yeah, that's a thread that I constantly have within kind of my my work as a botanical educator. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I actually also did a permaculture um, certificate and I can relate. It, it just really changes your view or it's, it maybe taps into you again on like, oh, wow, yeah, I've done this or I know this. And now there is like a, a you know, group answers to it, what you've done already. And you can um, now even explore it further on what you can actually do and how you can help um, maybe also making your surroundings more aware of, um, you know, sharing, caring, and so on. So do you, do you want to explain for people that have no idea what permaculture is, would you like to say a few words about that? Sure, sure. Um, so permaculture can be defined in, in many different ways. However, it um, it's basically called design science. It comes from um, systems theory and systems thinking. Um, and it's Uh, which at the at the root of it is basically trying to teach people how to think like an ecological system once again. So not in a linear capacity. It's about basically finding many threads of something and connecting them. And permaculture teaches you how to think like this. Uh, a lot of people, when they think about permaculture, they think of gardening, but it isn't just about being reserved to gardening. You can actually... In my mind, you can actually apply permaculture if you're working in IT. You can apply permaculture if you're a chef. You can apply permaculture to just about anything because it's a bunch of different strategies and principles which are related to um, kind of relative location, so how things are located, how things are situated, whether things have multiple functions. It's kind of like looking at an an ecosystem and seeing how it teaches you to make life more efficient and um, basically like have uh, a kind of deeper understanding of functionality as well. It's kind of like long-winded, but it can be a little bit hard to explain. Um, it actually comes from the term permanent culture or permanent agriculture. And one of the things that I always think of or say now, which is like, how do we practice permanent culture in a temporary society? Because everything is just so temporary. And so the idea of something being more permanent or designing a system to be more permanent is a real arbitrary concept for a lot of people now and people don't necessarily know how to do it. So I see permaculture as basically like um, relearning common sense almost and relearning how, how nature teaches us to design systems that are more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the, the, the principles a bit more in, in depth? Are you keen on that? Yeah. Um, well, there are 
depending on who you talk to, there are a bunch of different principles. Um, so Which ones uh, do you like? Uh, well, yeah. so the ones that are the most uh, popular and most co- common, uh, commonly used are David Holmgren's ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Wallison also had some. Um, uh, Dave Jackie, I think, has his own as well. He's a forest gardener. He's um, one of my uh, teachers and he's incredible. Um, I think that um, Robin Francis might have some too. So there's like a bunch of different permaculture principles, but basically there's 12 of um, David Holmgren's ones, you know, and um, I always do like obviously first things first, but I do kind of like to uh, put emphasis on the first one, which is observe and interact. And I was actually talking um, last night we were, uh, in a meeting in a collective of people um, who uh, for, for a local cultural centre that's kind of developing. And I was talking to people about how, we've kind of forgotten to observe things and interact with them. People just want like answers and quite often they'll just want to, you know, Google something like what's the answer. Let's just Google it. So for example, um, when do I put my plants in the ground? Like when they're, when they're, when are they ready to transplant? This website says eight weeks. This website says six weeks. This website says something else, but it's like, okay, where are all these places? Because climate climatic variations uh you know huge even in like you'll be weeks off planting something in the Dandenong Ranges in Victoria as opposed to Melbourne um and let alone you know all these different places in the world that are giving people information of just kind of a, a, a hard number whereas my thing is always we'll we'll go out and look at it look at the plant like how many sets of true leaves does it have? How robust is it? What is the root system doing now? Like, you know, is it ready? Is it ready to be put in the ground, you know? And that requires um, a kind of, yeah, observation and attending and a relationship to the world. And I think that that is really what the first principle is about, like of observing and interact. You're not going to learn if you don't observe and you need to be able to observe in your backyard and in your local bioregion. So I'm really big on um, starting to teach bioregional herbalism. And a lot of it comes down to, well, we have to observe what's actually going on in our bioregion because we are part of it too yeah yeah so that's 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 the the first principle but there are 12 of them (laughs) yeah so so do you want to pick a a few few more to get an idea of what what um or let's say you know if someone would come to you obviously permaculture is also where people might like to um incorporate this in their life you know um let's say yeah, it's what you possibly said is like starting a veggie patch, but also maybe understanding their house, for example, at all. How is that um, built? You know, how can you be maybe more efficient with what's going on in your house and then in your garden, but also if you have produce, what you can do with it. But, but also the mindset, at least that's what I found is also a bit like expanding your mindset on maybe you know, sharing with the community, but also, I don't know, sharing clothes, sharing produce, sharing maybe um, jam you made out of your fajos that you had in your garden. Um, and so I was kind of like, 
thinking maybe you can share a few principles on like let's say if someone wants to you know um become a bit more aware or in, implement this in their in their life in their everyday life like what would be a good start to start if you have literally no clue and it's not about only planting um seeds or something but just um maybe to rise your awareness a bit in that field you know um where to start yeah in kind of like the field of like permaculture or, or yeah. botanical education like yeah or, or for example in permaculture if you I, I would like to come to the herbal um education um after but like yeah a bit, a bit more about this permaculture aspects like um yeah pretty much if I would have no idea about it how can I start maybe in my own small um suburb garden house um to improve my awareness of nature and become more connected yeah yeah look there, there are um there are many like lo like local groups and things like that I always think that it's great if you can find a local group um you know uh, this is actually where like you know not that I, I know that there's a lot of people that don't like to use Facebook and I know the reasons why um but it's really really good for kind of finding local groups there's also a, a, a website called permaculture global um, that you can log on to and find um, people and farms in your area. And I'm just saying this because I feel like it's great to try and get connected to people when you do this and rather than just feeling like you're on your own because it can feel like a little bit of a lone journey sometimes, especially if people are looking up, you know, they're like, I just want to go and live rurally and I want to kind of like live off grid. And, you know, it can be too isolating. It's much too isolating. Just, you know, I feel like a lot of, tasks like these are tasks of the village and they are supposed to be practiced with people otherwise they become too daunting to just do by yourself especially once you get into permaculture you know you start to be like oh my god this person like has their own solar dehydrator that they built themselves and then they're like you know you like they have their own orchard and then they're drying all of their own fruit and it it just goes on and on and it can kind of get overwhelming. So I would start with, you know, something like that, like trying to look for a local group um, or even set one up. So going to like a community house and trying to set up like a, meet, uh, a meeting group of people that are interested in permaculture. It could be a reading group. It could be a gardening group um, and finding like-minded people. The other thing is if you are kind of starting on your own, <clears throat> It depends on what books and things like that you like or what websites. There is a lot of information out there, but I think that people can get so overwhelmed with the information. And so one of the things that I teach a lot of, and I think that it is really uh, related to permaculture, is garden journaling. Mm. And that's basically finding like a sit spot going outside each day or like each week and um, sitting in that spot and observing what's happening in your garden and then journaling about it. And you'll start to see what birds, what insects, what things like that start to kind of come into your garden. And as far as the first principle, observe and interact goes, that's a really good place to start. But people might want some more practical things, and that's fair enough as well. So I, I always start with the soil. 
and you know you can't do much wrong like oh you can get you know you can definitely can get soil wrong soil is a science however like it's not catastrophic and you know you're not like changing a building or building a dam or you know anything like that um and everything starts with the soil and everything starts with compost like good compost that's literally the like like the yeah um it's the foundation of every garden so if you're going to start anywhere and you really want to kind of get like practical, then starting with, with compost is one of the best things that you could possibly do and learning about that and how to make that really well. So then you can start feeding your plants because a lot of the time people will start growing their plants and they be- can become dismayed because they'll be like, oh, what's, what's going wrong? You know, and a lot of the time it'll be that the soil isn't adequate. Um, but the thing you've got to realise as well, if you start gardening, you are going to kill things. You are going to kill plants. It's just a thing that gardeners do as well. And um, I think that people can become dismayed and think, oh, I'm not a good gardener if I've killed something. I kill things all the time. I've been doing this for like 10 years and I, it's totally fine. You've just got to, I, like I had a plant die on me like two weeks ago that I absolutely love and was devastated I was like taking it into the bathroom and then I was taking it out again and I was like why is it dying I'm giving everything it needs um and sometimes it just happens and it is sad but it can't make you stop you know because for me it's the the joy of it is uh, much too wondrous for me to give up just because you know I get a little bit disappointed or dismayed sometimes yeah it's a yeah. lovely thing i think to do the um journaling and observe um i planted some tomatoes in my veggie patch and one i think is too far under the tree and so it has too much shade so it actually doesn't grow as good as the other ones and this is possibly maybe one observation you can put put in a journal right to be like okay maybe i don't plant anything as far to the right in the veggie patch as that or it could be possibly also the plant who knows when they're different tomato plants you don't know but um yeah it's um I really it's like really this idea. interesting yeah and it's also really you know you can put things like right next to each other one will grow in a completely different way to the other you know and one of the things that I think and and that I teach in permaculture and and you know this is a very scientific thing as well the questions are more important than the answers. Mm. So with kind of sitting there and like observing and journaling, you ask questions and they're important. I wonder why that plant is growing like that. And you start to come up with, you know, little musings. I wonder, is it because of the light? Is it because of the moisture? Mm-hmm. Is it because that's growing against a brick wall? Is it because, you know, and that for me is really where the gold is. Yeah. yeah, I think um, once we, in general, in life, find the right question and then all the answer, that helps a lot, <laughs> possibly in yeah. any way, <laughs> in the garden. Um, yeah, I also found this interesting with um, the composting, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a great thing, composting and uh, worm farming. I, I'm just going to interview some people from the community garden in a few weeks about this like someone that just does composting all the time and um, 
And yeah, so um, I, I think that's really good. And I remember when I did my permaculture course, you can actually do through the um, New South Wales um, University, you can actually donate them money. I think um, it's uh, $20 or something. And you can send them samples from the soil around your house and from your yeah. vacuum cleaner. And then um, they test it and they give you the um, how good or bad your soil is. Um, and I partly also yep. did this because I'm in a really old house and because they used to use uh, lead paint to make sure um, I'm not necessarily going to put my vegetable plants there where um, all the lead comes over the house on the on the yeah. side and and I thought that was so valuable and it helped the students um, which was also so permaculture in a way you know it helped them to um, have their experience um, testing the soil but also it, it didn't cost me like four hundred dollars and also um, you know I, I found this was also really informative um, yeah really great and because then what you said before is like then you have some more questions for yourself because it's like what does this actually mean? Like, what is this kind of level of X, Y, Z that is in my soil? And, you know, and how can I improve the soil at the spots where I might want to plant something? Um, yeah. Yeah, it is really, really valuable. Yeah, um, doing like a soil test, chemical soil test like that is really, really helpful. And yeah, and and also just like learning about the soil, the soil kind of like biology and, and, and how you can actually... Um, change it with compost is really really interesting because you know you have the chemistry in the soil like um you know you have your minerals in the soil but they're not available until you put the biology in there the biology makes the chemistry available so that's where your compost comes in because basically your compost you're kind of like breeding all of these microbes and in an age i, I kind of feel like it's a, a revolutionary act in like you know on a small scale because in an age where we're terrified of bacteria a lot of the time you're breeding these beneficial bacteria for your garden um which is really reminiscent because I, I study to be a clinician at the moment it's very reminiscent of our guts and the way that our guts work the, the way that the soil works with plants and the way that our guts work with us is very similar and so it's a pretty amazing thing to do to build this um compost put it out into your garden and kind of watch your plants thrive you feel like um you yeah you feel like you're, you're tending them pretty well <clears throat> amazing and um yeah that's beautiful and um yeah so um you're obviously a lot into um herbalism and i, I read this um sentence on your homepage um that you would like to motivate and inspire and educate people to live a more nourishing and um, lifestyle with a deep connection to nature. So how do you support people with um, that? Like, One of the ways is to, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm passionate about is it's hard because we don't have another word for it exactly, but even with using the word nature, it sees us as separate from it. And so one of the things that I encourage is to try and, yeah, encourage people to see themselves as part of it and it's like an interconnected part of an ecosystem because 
there are a lot of people now that like see this whole like nature is out there or nature means a certain thing um nature is trees and nature is woods and you know nature is is this but like the I think that nature is so much more than that nature is everywhere and nature is within us and is us um and the more that we start to see that the more reverence we have for ourselves as part of that system and also start to see that we can benefit the system um and that it can benefit us a big thing is teaching reciprocity like uh teaching people to remember and to remember reciprocity so one of the things that like I, I love teaching is I love teaching foraging, foraging courses or um, medicinal gardening, like, you know, how to, how to grow certain, certain plants and, and then we'll like harvest them and things like that together. And the act of harvesting these plants, it's kind of like, oh, every, every year I'll go and I'll harvest from these hawthorn trees, for example, I've been doing it for years. And so it's like they're providing me with something and with this kind of like medicine and with this food and with this experience. And why wouldn't I want to be a part of returning that um, and be a part of that um, relationship? So for me, like the education is really part of, of that relationship, but it's also whenever I'm um you know, out and I, I can I can prune a plant if I'm if I'm foraging from it, or I can tend to the soil, or or yeah, it's just like ways of kind of giving back and having this constant cyclic relationship with what's out there. At the moment, I'm writing my book, um, which I'm uh, yeah hoping to uh, release at the end of the year, and. It's about embodying relationship rather than extracting resource. So even as a herbalist or a permaculturalist, not just seeing something, a garden in terms of yield, like, yeah, we need a yield. Yeah, we need to, we need to eat. We need to know that we're going to be able to survive for, you know, the year. And so that's very important. But it's much more than that. I feel like focusing on what we can get from a garden or it, all of the different elements in terms of functionality reduces them and we stop seeing them as these are, these are elements and, and, and beings that we can actually have an experience with in our lives. For example, when we go out and harvest things to make medicine, I feel like making medicine to me isn't just a product. It's an embodiment of an experience of that time. So that moment in time, that bird was there, that leaf was there, the wind was blowing from the east. All these things were happening and I'm capturing all of these like leaves. I'm harvesting everything. And then I put that into a, a medicine that is a preserve that then I can continue to use. But for me, it's much more than just this product. For me, I remember I was in that pocket of time where, you know, I had that relationship with this plant and for me, that is way more of a healing process than just a product is. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful So it's, I'm big on relationships. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so, so you just said that you're obviously teaching people. And I also saw that you're going to have a course, like a, an hour course next week about making antiviral um, medicine or something. Mm -hmm. So I definitely will come to this because I think it's going to be um, great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyone that's listening can come. Yeah, I will definitely link your um, all the details you want me to link in the um, show notes so people can contact you, book courses, and uh, follow you wherever you want them to. to um, yeah, that's great. Um, and, yeah, so, um, yeah, do you want to talk a bit about what, what kind of, um, yeah, courses you're you offering, um, you know, And, and if like for what for what can people contact you like um yeah well I'm just starting to teach more of my face-to-face -face workshops um, which I'm really excited about like obviously the like, past two years have been very hard for many many people um but uh it also meant that I I haven't really been able to teach much face-to-face -face, um which has been like a bit damaging on many levels actually because uh, it's one of my greatest passions um is teaching face-to-face -face because you know a lot of my work uh it does translate online because I like talking about things and um there's like a lot of kind of like information and knowledge there however I do love the hands-on experience of being outdoors with people and getting them to get their hands in the dirt or their hands in the medicine and um having a bit more of a kind of casual and intimate style workshop um, where people are learning through their senses and it's not just kind of lecture style. So I've got quite a few of my workshops coming up. Uh, I just started a, um, it's a new foraging course. So this will be the second time that it runs. And um, each week I make, I make new delicious kind of things for the foraging course. And it's, taught basically by patterns so we learn each week about like a different plant family and a different kind of medicinal action and then we talk about what uh, plants are available um, just to not overload people it's not necessarily about like learning 250 plants in this course you know because it's just too overwhelming so we teach on kind of like patterns so that's a foraging course. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I feel like foraging is like, yeah, a small kind of revolutionary act, you know, because it is taking like this kind of like these free, abundant, often like invasive kind of resources uh, from around us and utilizing them for nourishment. And I think that that's a phenomenal. And a plus it gives people like more of a relationship with their bioregion. And I think, I think it's one, one of the best things that you can do. So that one starts in two weeks. I've also got in two weeks the Herbal Apprentice program starting face-to-face -face again. So it'll be the first time that I have offered this program face-to-face -face in two years because it went online. And we will have an online version of it uh, going up soon too. But I'm so excited to do it face-to-face -face because we focus on like the foundations of herbal medicine, uh, the medicinal gardening aspects, and also medicine making aspects so you get quite like a, a full like well-rounded um course herbalism course um of kind of like the basics and 
so is it is it drying is it is it sorry um just quickly i just wanted to um ask is it is it so um you pretty much show the plants and then you obviously teach i guess how to possibly um dry them or can you make medicine out of um you know like just pick leaves or only dry leaves or do you make a um paste powder liquid how does this kind of look like yeah yeah so uh, these are kind of like uh, the herbal apprentice uh, we've got five evening classes plus two full day classes and the full day classes are on Saturdays and they're going to be at uh, farms and we're going to be actually like building a medicine garden at those farms so we'll be learning um, how about soil prep about kind of like creating no dig gardens about then um, planting the plants about planting seeds and germination so we'll be doing a lot of those kind of things with medicinal plants and then the evening classes will be on the core foundations so we'll be learning about things like um, herbal energetics um, so if if someone's constitution is dry how we give them a kind of like more of a moist herb and what herbs are moist and things like that we'll be learning about herbal actions like diuretics or kind of expectorants and you know what they are, are used for and then we also learn about the medicine making so each week we'll be making a different medicine we'll be making syrups we'll be making tinctures uh infused oils salves and vinegars Amazing. yeah sounds exciting i know so i'm pretty i'm very excited about that i love this course and yeah most uh people that have done it have just yeah really really loved the um the experience all-round experience and so these the foraging course and the herbal apprentice course are both going online as well um Apart from that, I've got my botanical beverages course. So uh, with a little kit that teaches people how to make herbal cocktails and mocktails and focuses on aromatics, bitters and antioxidants and basically how we can get these into more of our daily lives with drinks. And then I like teach you how to make some of the things in the kit as well. So that's just an evening one, one evening course. Yeah, it's um I had this thought yesterday was when I was in the kitchen, um, you know, how we like how society has possibly become so detached from all of this, from this knowledge um of, you know, when people hundred years ago um were um still planting things, you know. I remember my grandma was saying they would run outside when the horses made a poo on the street and picked it up so they can put it in their um compost slash veggie garden because it was so nutritious you know and today you think like um you know you go to Coles and <laughs> and then you just buy stuff there and you have like no idea where it's coming from or um how long it has been transported and whether there's nutrition in it at all and yeah I was just thinking about that yesterday again on how it, what you said at the start as well on how like you know how fast we are in the world now and um i think that's what i found so beautiful what you said as well about like um this journaling in the garden because not only that you're observing but you become more in the moment and um more connected with um yourself and nature and you become one but you also you get a bit more of a feeling what's actually going on yeah yeah and Yeah, it's, a, it's a, about that kind of like connection. You know, the, the other thing about, you know, being getting things from a supermarket and obviously I'm not going to um, 
I'm not like shaming people for getting things no, from the supermarket either. Not. Like especially people that um, you know, are new to this. You know, and it it it, it can be a very like big thing to kind of transition. Um, but you know, once you do start to grow certain things yourself or have a relationship with some of the foods that are kind of like more wild and around you, then the things from like a supermarket, the other thing they don't have is story. You don't have a story to it. That's one of the beautiful things about getting a veggie box from a local farmer. Something like that is like, you know, you see and talk to the local farmer, you know, kind of like uh, you can usually see the farm, you know, the hands that have packed the food that you're, you're eating. And um, yeah, sometimes like people have stories about like seed and like where they've got it from and things like that. It's a, it's a much more, like nourishing experience because and and that nourishment doesn't just come from the food it comes from like a sense of belonging in, in in place and it's one of the reasons why I'm quite passionate about teaching um like herbalism as well and and even with the botanical um, beverages course with the aromatics antioxidants and bitters is that like many of our wild herbs are what our cultivated foods come from so you know the, the like the wild carrot which is like you know now uh called a uh, common name queen anne's lace that's where our carrot uh common carrot comes from now you know but the the wild carrot like it's super bitter it's been actually now bred to have all these carbohydrates and all this like sweetness in it and you know a lot of our um vegetables are now bred to have a lot of carbohydrates and they've decreased in their phytonutrients so their their medicinal virtues and their um their their vitamins and minerals are heavily decreased because their sugars have increased so much and so by getting these herbs into your diet more you're actually building more of a kind of like um a diversity um of nutrients within your system as well um and so one of the things that i'm passionate about is teaching people how to find palatable interesting um but also um easy and effective ways of kind of doing this in their day-to-day life for their own health yeah that is great <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah i love this yeah I, i found it also like i found out the other day that um I mean, I found sometimes carrots are really, really sweet, you know, and um, I found even that my friend has rabbits and she even says rabbits should actually not eat carrots because they're far too um, high in sugar and it's actually not really good. They can should only yeah. literally get two small pieces and you think like, oh, this is so mind blowing. Like I didn't know that because of course, I guess like through visuals and childhood and rabbits and you know rabbits is always connected with carrots so you think like yeah and obviously they like it but um yeah it's not um yeah it's it's obviously not at all and now I'm looking after a rabbit from my neighbors and they actually it's so beautiful it just really want my heart they planted for this rabbit an entire box of vegetables like just silver beets and And beetroot, you know, now every morning I pick him some leaves and just give it to him and he just loves it. It's just like, I was like, this is such a good idea and so healthy, you know, rather than giving giving him the scraps from the supermarket as well that you possibly bought. And yeah, that's what I want to say. I obviously don't shame people either. It's just sometimes I had more the thought on from 100 years ago, people were growing massive amount of foods in their garden to now 
um, barely people know where the things are coming from, as you said. So um, yeah, it's, it's also, a massive also going change. to supermarkets. <laughs> yeah it's a a massive change though and like even so with a lot of my courses uh on like foraging and 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 the botanical beverages and things like that like you know one of the things that I'll go into all the time and people know that I'm really passionate about is bitters yeah and and making making tinctures and things like that because we have over 300 bitter receptors in our body in our bodies but we don't use them anymore you know, and it hasn't actually been that long since the, uh, you know, we haven't used them for because, you know, now like our sugar intake is so high and our refined sugar intake is so high that we don't even see that, um, you know, something like a carrot is quite sweet. Like in Chinese medicine, the flavor sweet is actually attributed to rice. Rice is supposed to be like one of the, you know, the sweetest things because that was one of the sweetest things that you would find which just goes to show like how different our diets are now. And now if we've got 300 bitter receptors in our bodies, we're actually supposed to be using them and we don't anymore. So it kind of shows like how far we've gone with our kind of health as well. And yeah, I feel like by, by changing some of these things, even slightly, like I'm a massive advocate for changing our palate because I feel like in order to build a more robust microbiome, which a lot of now or research is, is saying that, you know, that is really the centre of it all. And the more that I um, treat people as a clinician, the more I see this. Um, it all kind of like starts in the gut. And so... I feel like we can try and make small changes to our palate and to our diets and lifestyles that will actually make quite large differences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's great what you're doing. I I really love it. Um, I think it's great. Um, I was wondering what, what's your what's your favorite um, plant that you really love that you think is you know it's really there possibly a lot but it, are there like you know one or two you or three that face. you're like oh, yeah <laughs> okay favorite um, I've got I've got actually two all time favorites um i'll talk about two i like my <laughs> my students always laugh at me actually because i'll be like this is my favorite and they're like you say that every week Taj. like so um i i do have a lot of favorites um but i'll tell you about the ones that are um my unshakables my unshakable um allies which are nettle and oat straw I absolutely love them. So oat straw, first of all, is an incredible plant from a permaculture perspective because it has so many, like it has multiple functions. It has so many functions. Um, it's basically where oats come come from, but you can use all parts, like if you use the, the stalk, you can use the um, the milky oat tips, which I use for medicine. They're only ready for like a two-week window in the year, which I love waiting out for because it makes it so special. You can use the um, seeds, the seeds are where we get oats from, but it is a plant where it's so versatile because it can be used for food. It's used for medicine. It's used for fodder for animals. Um, it can be dried and used for mulch. It's extremely easy to grow. It can be used as a windbreak or a frost break. Um, and it's an annual. So if you, you plant it in your garden, it's only going to be there for a season and then you kind of take it out and you can do something else with it. So it's 
incredibly versatile um, and, yeah, really good from a permaculture perspective. And as far as a medicine goes now, I don't believe in one herb for everyone, but this herb is actually a nervous system nourisher. And so I just believe that, like, and, and it doesn't have um, adverse effects either. Like, it's a quite a safe herb to take. So I do think that if anyone could benefit from a herb, it would be oat straw. Um, and its effects on the nervous system because everyone's so stressed all the time. And then there's nettle. And nettle and I have been friends for a very, very long time. It's really funny. Once you start to get, like, yeah, a relationship with certain plants, it's like I'll have a cup of, like, my deep green, like, nettle infusion. And it's like it is. It's an old friend. It's like oh it makes the way that it makes me feel and like you know how much time I've spent with it and spent like harvesting it and learning about it and things like that um I am prone to anemia so nettle is really really helpful for me and it just makes me feel alive like whenever I drink it like that kind of sweet green touches my lips and I instantly feel more alive I can feel the cells in my body kind of yeah coming to life with it um and it's a a plant that can be used as an amazing food I make nettle soup I make nettle bread I make nettle cookies I'm pretty nettle obsessed and it gets a bad rap because it's stinging nettle and a lot of people won't really touch it or go near it but there's this beautiful thing um it's like grasp the nettle and you know with with nettles if you actually grab it very quickly and very um, fiercely it won't sting you but if you brush past it, it will. And I kind of see nettle as a bit of a metaphor for life like that. It's like if you approach it fearlessly, then it won't sting nearly as much. Yeah. So I really like that. Yeah, this is this is a great, um, yeah, awesome um, metaphor. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, um, I was at my mom. She lives in Bavaria um, last year, actually 2020. And um, I did a forest walk there, um, a herbal forest walk with a lady, and she was showing us what we can all eat and drink. And I was so impressed. I mean, I knew from a few, but definitely not from all of this. And uh, I remember I told my friend yesterday that my mom bought me this um, herbal book in Austria when I was six. And it's really thin, and I had it at my grandma's. And my cousin and I, we, we never had heaps of toys. We were always in the garden. And I remember I got this book out and showed my cousin that is three years younger than me um, what we could all eat. And nettle was one thing. So we picked all these nettles. And then my grandma let us um, put them in the oven to dry. And we made tea out of it, you know. And this is what I remember with nettle. But on this um, herbal walk, she was also telling us that apparently they actually really high in iron. I think you mentioned that just then uh, with um. Yeah, and also um, that 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 you should only use, I think, the um, uh, the younger leaves, right? To or yeah. to drink or eat, or can you? Do, what was that again? So the younger leaves will kind of be more palatable and like also uh, higher in in some of the um, medicinal compounds. But it's when the plant starts going to seed, you don't want to use the leaves usually because the leaves will contain like higher amounts of uric acid, mm. um, which can uh, cause kidney complications. Yeah. 
Because I think once yeah. once plants see to they um yeah the the somehow <laughs> the leaves are not as awesome anymore um because of, is it because of the energy goes into the seeding process yeah, it's all the, all, yeah all the chemistry and all all the energy goes into like the the seed Reproduction. and so it like strips the kind of leaf of um a lot of its nutrients because yeah. a lot of the um nutrients and a lot of the compounds are going to the seed um but the yeah, nettle seeds are also nice she um yeah, showed us that she yeah, kind of good. toasted them and put them in cereals and um on salads yeah. and things i'm like it's, it's so amazing how nature is in a way i think um if we are uh, you know if everyone would work a lot less during the week and would just rather go 20 hours working 20 hours in nature and um mm -hmm. everyone could have such a more wholesome um life and possibly plant more vegetables that are more healthy for you because they're coming from your garden and not shipped half around the world and that would be such yeah, a great thing a dream, like working less to kind of just embody like really living you know yeah. um so being. yeah and I feel like yeah and, and um being and um yeah I feel like there's um even like I feel that uh, within permaculture we have like certain kind of like capitalist constructs or mindsets that can come into it sometimes because we focus on a lot of the time what people like how much people do and it'll be like oh this person does so much and they like you know they grow all of their own blah 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 and they're doing all their own stuff and I think that sometimes it can be like damaging because it's just like kind of like another form of like productivity and 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 working and I feel like we Uh, I don't actually have like the answers, but um, I, I it usually comes back to a um, mentality of actually um, like a village mentality. Mm. Can you still hear me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it usually comes back to like a village kind of mentality, and I think that's a quite a challenge for us to do um but I feel like that's when we will actually have more of an opportunity to work less is because we'll be able to rely on each other and share more yeah I think that's why I really um love what you're doing because obviously with what you're doing you um raise awareness and obviously you're sharing your knowledge um through your courses um also through this interview so um this is I think amazing. So I really love, love that um, any person that gives something valuable um, to helping people, you know, change for wherever they want to be. I wouldn't say better or worse, but like for maybe becoming more aware and connected with nature because ultimately we live with it. So it would be great if we raise awareness more on um, yeah. becoming one again. Um, do, do you have like, Is there something else you want to share? Um, and also, would you have like a message that is kind of like from your heart that you want to share with the world? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, well, I guess that first of all, before I share kind of like a bit of a message, I guess that I'll just kind of add to, yeah, um, 
for those people that can't uh, come to my face-to-face workshops um, or if you'd like to support what I am doing with my herbalism work and more community-supported herbalism as well, um, then you can actually become a Patreon of mine. So I have a Patreon page as well. And the Patreon is actually helping and assisting me to be able to keep writing my book, which is kind of like one of my main goals to finish this year. Um, I have two goals and then it's to start building my tiny house herbal studio and to finish my book and so um my patreons like allow me to basically live these dreams but I also get to spend my days making content that I really really love so I get to spend my days like making medicines and sending them out or making videos about things that I'm finding like interesting or exciting at that time or talking to people about plants or like tips on how to grow things or I've even been like looking into a thing at the moment um which I've talked about called ritual herbalism which is how to basically um embody the cycles of kind of um the seasons um in your herbalism practice and make it more of a like a herbalism practice kind of more grounded in a in a in a spiritual practice as well but really, really grounded within that. So, yeah, if people would like to um, support me, then becoming a Patreon is is one of the best ways. And um, I'm really excited for this year's Patreon. I've planned it all out already. So you can log on to my website and find that. And as far as a kind of a message goes, um, I guess that I I think that I would like to encourage people um a lot of the time with what I'm doing now I'm working to be a clinician now I graduate in May to be a herbal clinician and I think that what I've seen within like my work as a permaculturalist and a herbalist is the amount of responsibility that's placed on the individual for their their own health for their own life for their own well-being And I think that although there is merit in this, I think one of the things that I would like to say is it's not your fault. We're part of a very, like, lack of a better term, a very kind of sick system. Like our system is not set up for health in in many ways. It's not set up for us to move well. It's not set up for us to eat well. It's not set up for us to kind of like to sleep well. It, it's not set up for us to be a proper human, animal human in the world. And I think that I see a lot of people putting a lot of pressure on themselves that they're not doing enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not eating well enough and that everything is their fault. And I think that we need to find a little bit of more forgiveness that we live like this right now. And we're trying to do the best that we can. And I think that that is, that is fine. And the more that we kind of start to practice that, I think the easier, um, the easier things will become because we won't be so um, vigilant in our nervous systems about trying to do everything perfectly in a very um, uh, flawed society. 
yeah, yeah. so I um, would have forgiven themselves a bit more yeah oh, it's nearly got me a bit in tears it's a really heartwarming message I think it's really um important I think what you say yeah that's um, yeah it's beautiful um mm. great um finishing words thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for um sharing all your um passion and what you're doing um and yeah, as i said i will link all whatever you want me to share i will share it on the show notes and on the channels that i'm posting it on and then yeah people can um check out what you're doing and book your courses or contact you or whatever they want to do i'll leave that up to everyone um right. and yeah so thanks so much perma pixie <laughs> You're so welcome. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been really, really lovely to speak with you. Thank and, you. Yeah, good luck with all of your planting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will start the recording. Just give me a second. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah.